Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Ben Suttles. Thanks for being on the show, Ben. I appreciate it, Whitney. I look forward to adding some value to your listeners here. Yeah, I was, it's been a pleasure to meet you at a mastermind recently, Ben. And I knew you'd be a great guest on the show. And you've got some great experiences to share from and just have increased your expertise in this business. Looking forward to it. But Ben is an entrepreneur having owned half a dozen companies with revenues at $12 million per year. Has helped syndicate eight multifamily projects over the last four years, totaling close to 1,300 doors and $70 million in assets under management. Recently sold his first syndication for over 365% return in less than two and a half years and has raised over $20 million in his career for various real estate projects. Ben, you know that you're going to quickly tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, but I want to get into that deal, that first deal, a 365% return. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll get to the fun stuff here in a minute. So yeah, I mean, background, uh, you know, I come from the IT world. You know, I always kind of say that I wasn't one of the smart guys. You know, I was one of the guys, I was on the sales business development side. So I was the guy just kind of sitting in the, the conference room telling people how much stuff costs. So, you know, <laughs> that was kind of my background. And so, you know, I've had IT companies. That's the, the world that I've come from. And I think, you know, that entrepreneurial background and spirit has been able to segue into commercial real estate. And it's really kind of helped me on some of the things that we're doing today, either on the equity raise or, or on the asset management side. But uh, yeah, I got into real estate in 2013 and got into multifamily in the end of 2014. And then just been blowing and going ever since. Wow. So you got in, so you went straight from IT to real estate, like single family or wholesaling or something like that first? Yeah. You know, I mean, like a lot of people, right? You start off with single family, you know? So yeah, I did do that. I did some wholesaling, did some rentals, you know, quickly just wasn't, you know, something that I was interested in. Not to say that you can't make money in that. You can. I've seen a lot of people be successful at it, but it just really wasn't for me. And for me, I was looking for something that was a little bit more scalable, a little bit more in line with that skill set that I came from. You know, driving all around Houston where I live, trying to wholesale houses really wasn't what I wanted to do for the next 20 years. So structuring commercial real estate deals was kind of more in line with my background. And I kind of gravitated to multifamily after hearing Lifestyles Unlimited, which is a group here in Texas, heard them on the the, the radio. And, and then from there, I... I started kind of going out to events and networking events and that really kind of drew me into the multifamily space and I was sold at that point. So I guess give us just a, before we dive into that first property, you know, I guess give us a couple of minutes or a minute or so of how like you went from, you know, the IT guy to multifamily to you know, the person that's thinking, oh, wait a minute, you know, that's kind of the shoes I'm in. I'm really looking to get into real estate. You know, how do I get there? What, what are some steps you took to build your confidence, your education, and eventually, you know, syndicating that first deal? Well, the catalyst was really my daughter's. She was born. So she was born in, in 2013. And so you got nine months, right? What are we doing for nine months, right? You're cleaning up the house. You're doing all these things, right? Well, I'm also reading a lot. I'm listening to a lot of podcasts, right? And so real estate was something that I was always really, really interested in. Originally, it was just more to supplement the income that I was making on the IT side. 
And now it's morphed into its, its, its own thing at this point. But, you know, I think that was the Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It was like a light bulb moment for me whenever I read that book. And I think for a lot of people, probably listeners included, it was. It was one of those things like, I need to get into real estate. This stuff makes sense to me. You know, the confidence was always there. I mean, like I said, I come from a sales business development background. So getting in front of people, talking about things, selling things and that type of stuff, that was really kind of my forte. Going to networking events, that was what I was doing. All this was just in a different industry. Once I kind of was had that idea, I want to get into real estate, it was just which niche did I want to go? And going back to Robert Kiyosaki, he has a training program as well. And so I first gravitated to his training program and went through that whole thing, spent way too much money <laughs> doing that as we probably all have on mentoring and, and training and stuff. But it, it incentivized me, it pushed me to continue that path down real estate. And uh, to this day, I would consider him my first mentor. That's kind of the catalyst for me to get into the real estate world. You know, I mean, there's a lot of burning the candle at both ends, especially when you're starting off. It's a lot of long days, a lot of long nights, working on the weekends. You've got to have a passion for it. You've got to really want it if you want to turn it into your next career or you want to turn it into even a side hustle. The side hustle is not going to build itself. You have to go out and actually do some stuff. So you have to be prepared to juggle and wear many hats and make sure that uh, your spouse is on board because you're probably going to be going and doing a lot of traveling, a lot of networking events, and you want her to be supportive of that as well. I'm glad you brought that up, your spouse. I mean, my spouse is part of my team. If she wasn't supportive of this, it it just wouldn't happen. It wouldn't work. Oh, yeah. You need their support because that gives you that fire. Whatever that fire is within somebody that gives them that initiative to go out there and do that, that's what you need to hold on to and say, This is the reason why I'm up at 12 o'clock at night answering emails and underwriting deals because I want this to work. I want this to be successful. And so I tell everybody, your listeners included, it's possible to do two different careers. Some of us are doing it still and most people start off like that. So it's definitely possible. Everybody that you look up to, everybody that you see that's been successful, they started at zero. They started doing this at night and on the weekends. And I always encourage people, if you're passionate about it, you want to do it, go out and make it happen. I agree. I agree. And, you know, paint a picture for us of, you know, that first property, the first syndication, you know, tell us a little bit about it and let's get into, you know, how did you find it? You know, how did you make it work? And maybe some of the difficulties you experienced getting to the closing table for this first property. There was many challenges. You know, I was part of a, a mentoring group here in Texas. The mentoring groups do a, a pretty good job on the front end. You know, how do you underwrite deals? Maybe some tips and tricks on how do you raise equity? But really, they don't get into the nitty gritty details of actually how to close things and how to operate businesses. So that's probably where they're lacking. I found this deal originally going to go passive, which was just, you know, I was going to invest in other people's deals. I had some money in my IRA and I was just going to get my feet wet. Well, there's about a six month lull where I wasn't really seeing much stuff hit my desk that I was interested in. You start getting anxious, right? You start getting antsy. You want to do something. So I started underwriting deals, which is just essentially just analyzing deals that maybe were out there in the market and were on market and underwriting them to see if they made sense. After doing that for a couple of months, I, you know, I buddied up with a few folks here in Houston and I started asking them, hey, do you have any deals that maybe you passed on? So there was one gentleman named Mike Hartage that I had actually buddied up with and he had this one deal named Huntington Park. Huntington Park's in Beaumont. Beaumont's about 90 miles east of Houston off of I-10 here in the South. And 
It's a smaller community, but it's mainly petrochemical driven, but good, stable economy. And I was like, yeah, I'll take a look at something in Beaumont. You know, I started underwriting the deal. Well, after a little bit of kind of tweaking the numbers and looking at things and validating numbers with my insurance broker and everything else, I realized that this was actually a pretty good deal. So I went back to Mike and I said, hey, look, you know, the deal that you passed on that you thought was bad was actually good. You just didn't look at it for more than five minutes. You passed on it. And so I did the right thing. You know, we ended up partnering up 50-50 on the deal. We ended up getting it under contract for exactly what they asked for because what they were asking for was a 10 cap. So even three or four years ago, a 10 cap in Texas was a pretty good deal. We didn't really negotiate too much with them on the pricing. Got it under contract. Mike immediately goes out of the country for the next two months. He was, uh, you know, he's a very successful syndicator already. It was during the summer. He was taking his, I was like, Mike, this is my first deal. I don't know what I'm doing, man. So he would send me some emails with some tips and stuff, but he was not around. And then he came back. It was right before closing. And then he had a family reunion in Yellowstone. Well, as anybody knows, you know, when you're doing closings, you have things that have to be notarized. You have things that have to be signed. This guy is in the middle of the Yellowstone. Literally the day before closing, I forced this guy to drive two hours. I forgot to what city that actually had some kind of a FedEx Kinko's that he could notarize and get things, you know, mailed and signed. And we closed it, but he didn't really help too much on that part of the process. And I was kind of out there raising the money on my own. And the equity really came from friends and family, as well as just people that I had met networking. So you have to put yourself out there. You have to tell people what you're doing. And then they're really putting a lot of trust in you, especially as a new syndicator. They, they got to really like the deal. They got to really like you to put their money because you For don't sure. have that proven track record. So, well, so I raised $800,000 on that. This was 92. So I bought it for $3 million. It was about 32 grand, roughly a unit. You know, my whole business model was to get their insurance from 100,000 down to 60,000. That was the whole, because I bought it at such a good price point. That was all I needed to do. I didn't even need a pop rent. There wasn't a heavy value add. There wasn't any of that stuff going on. And this thing ended up spitting off about 17, 18% cash on cash each year. You fast forward a couple of years, we did do some value add on it. So I ended up getting it closed, right? We worked through all those challenges of closing and I raised the equity. We went through a little bit of a value add rehab, nothing major. You know, we did some roofs and replaced some ACs and stuff like that. Well, then Hurricane Harvey hits. Mm. So this was in 17. So I just finished up the value add and literally a month later, the hurricane hit. Well, 32 units out of the 92 flooded and we had to terminate the leases. People had to, to vacate the units. We had to take them down to the studs. You know, luckily the property had been spitting off cash and we had set aside a lot of cash to be able to kind of pay our bills, but we took it all the way down to about 60% occupied. We were at 99 before, before the hurricane. Here's your challenge, right? These don't always go as planned. You can't plan a hurricane. Well, luckily being that it's along the coast, we had the foresight to have flood insurance. And so we had the flood insurance on the property and that allowed us to obviously, you know, do a claim through FEMA. And, you know, obviously that's working with the government, which is horrible as everybody probably can suspect, but we ended up, we went through the process. We got the inspectors out there. They were very, very generous. So on that $8,000 flood insurance policy that I paid for, it paid out $2.1 million. I had already put some money into it prior to the hurricane. Then we put another 2.1 million into it. And you can imagine 32 units. I didn't need 2.1 million, but we updated the office in the clubhouse. We replaced all the AC units. We updated all the, the laundry mats. We completely repositioned this property 
And now on that $3 million purchase price, I had $2.6 million worth of value add rehab that I had done to it. So now I'm sitting on a ton of equity, right? That same time frame, I had taken the NOI from $300,000 a year to $500,000 a year. So I've got a ton of equity. I've increased the NOI. And at the same time, market cap rates had compressed, as we all kind of know, right? Even in that market, you know, market cap rates weren't 10. They were probably more like eight, but I sold it at a seven cap. So remember, I bought it at a 10. All of those things combined, right? I ended up selling the property. Remember, I bought it at 32. I sold it at 76. That was one of those things that it was good timing, good area, but it could have gone the completely other way. So that netted my investors who were really out there on a hope and a prayer that I was going to be able to pull this thing off could have gotten real dicey after the hurricane. I ended up netting them 365% total return in two and a half years. So that one ended up turning out pretty well. I'm not saying all of them are going to be like that, but I feel pretty good about that one. And now I've got lifelong investors because of that deal. I wanted to back up just a little bit because like, and I want to talk about the investors during the hurricane, but you know, what about investors, you know, on this first deal, you raised 800,000 and I, I don't see you know, too many people, unless you just already have a very established high net worth network from another business or, and maybe you did, or, you know, from another job that can raise 800,000 on their first deal. You know, mm -hmm. so what were a couple challenges that you faced, you know, approaching people the first time on your first deal and really selling them on this opportunity? Yeah. I mean, once again, I think it really boils down to, do you trust this syndicator? I always tell people that people aren't investing in the deal, they're investing in me. I had to build up that level of trust and rapport with people. And then on top of that, we, we co-invested too. So some, not all that 800 was from investors. So we kicked in about 150 of that. So let's call it 650, right? I still had to get about 12, 13 people to say yes to me. That was a lot of phone calls. That was a lot of lunches. That was a lot of dinners where I pitched the heck out of the deal. I owned that deal. I knew everything about it. They fired off a question. I knew the answer to it, right? And that level of confidence gives people confidence in you. You have to, especially on your first deal, you got to know everything about it. You got to own that deal. You got to own that area. Why Beaumont? Why Huntington Park? Why you? What gives you the right to go out there and ask me for money, right? You know, but at the end of the day, right, you're providing them an opportunity to invest in a great asset. It doesn't have to always be a pitch fest. Sometimes you can spin it, especially what I'm doing now is I'm spinning it like I'm doing you a favor by bringing you into these deals because they are very limited. There's usually only 20 or 30 spots, right? I mean, sometimes more, sometimes less, just depends, you know, but they're very limited and you have to know the sponsor to get into these deals. But they're, at the end of the day, they're very lucrative. I was giving them an opportunity to invest in a deal that was going to be right off the bat without me really being aggressive at all on my underwriting was going to be spitting off 17% cash on cash. So that in itself kind of helped the fact that I had an experienced operator like Mike as my partner helped. And the fact that I owned the deal, right. And, you know, I knew what I was talking about really helped. And I think for your listeners starting off, like your first deal is it's very imperative that you know what you're talking about because they're going to see right through you. If you're trying to BS them in any way, or even if you don't know an answer, you just respectfully say, hey, I got to find that out. Great question. You know, I'll get right back to you on that, right? But instead, some people try to spin it like they know what they're talking about and people see right through that. You got to be very genuine with people. You got to be open, transparent, and honest. And once people see that, 
that builds trust with people. That was how I was able to get through that first raise. And then the second one gets easier. Then the third one gets a little bit easier after that because you're starting to build up a track record, right? And now you have your resume that you can point to as well. So what about the investors? You know, the hurricane hits, you know, obviously everybody's wondering about their investment now, right? Or wondering about this property, what's going to happen? Well, you know, what was the conversations like then? Were they just ready to pull out, you know, ready to stand beside you through this? What was that like? Well, luckily, I mean, you know, monthly financials, you see the balance sheet, you saw the money in the bank. Luckily, because it was spitting off so much money, I could have probably paid 30% out each year, but I was only paying 17. And the reason being is we were setting aside money, right? Just for a rainy day. And I always encourage everybody to do that. Don't pay out everything that you can pay out, right? Because you always have to have a rainy day fund and no pun intended, but that rainy day fund came very, very handy after the hurricane because our lender didn't give us any forbearance. So they didn't even give us a month off of our note. The, the note was due four days after the hurricane. And this was not for lack of me calling them and asking for at least one month reprieve. They said, no, your note's due. If we didn't have that money, we wouldn't have been able to pay the note. And guess who that would, I mean, that would have fallen on to us to come out of pocket or our investors. But our investors knew that we had about a hundred and I think we, at that time we had about 180,000 in the bank and on a 92 unit property, that's pretty good. We could have ran the property without making another dime for at least two or three months. I think that gave them a lot of confidence. And the fact that we were on top of it and we had a plan that we were able to communicate to them very, very quickly. Luckily, we had some very good general contracting contacts and the hurricane hit Sunday. They were out there by Thursday just because they physically couldn't get out there before that. They were out there Thursday, ripping sheetrock out and remediating and starting the process. They liked that too. At the end of the day, I never had anybody that wanted to bail. Obviously, everybody was a little bit concerned, but from their perspective, we had the money to weather the storm and we had the flood insurance policy, which was a blessing. They knew all that was there. They were ready to ride it out with me. How long till you got the insurance money? That I mean, from the time the damage happened? Harvey hit end of August. I think we started seeing money in mid to late October. Obviously, we had a little bit of money so we could prime the pump with our general contractor, right? So we put a little bit of a down payment and he still started the work. He was ready to grind it out because he knew that the money was coming. By I think, yeah, mid to late October is when we started seeing cash. From our perspective, it wasn't a big delay that kind of hurt us. It was just something that we just had to kind of work through. But yeah, it was about six weeks, six to eight weeks, I'd say. Of no sleep. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I lost all my hair, man. <laughs> so, and unfortunately, we're coming up on a hard stop. And, and But I got a couple questions that we, you know, I wanted to ask you before we have to go. But what's been the hardest part of the syndication process or journey for you, Ben? People start off, right? You know, like, okay, I just want to get my first deal. What do I have to do to get my first deal? Okay, so I got my first deal. So then it's like, okay, well, that wasn't too, too challenging. I want to get my second deal. But what I'm finding out is there's a ton of demand. There's a ton of competition. And finding those deals, those good deals are a big challenge. But I think, you know, once you get to your, maybe your second deal or your third deal, right, you realize that it's turning into a business. You can only wear so many hats, so many hours in the day. And so now your focus kind of changes, right? You go from, I'm out here hustling to find a deal to, okay, now do I want to just have my two or three deals or do I want to continue to ramp up and scale up and create an actual commercial real estate firm out of this thing? And with that becomes a whole nother thing, right? I mean, you have employees, you have all kinds of processes and tasks and things that you've got to work through and establish. I think a lot of people, me included, was you hit that plateau and then where do you go? 
right? Do you stay there or do you continue to ramp up? And everybody hits the same thing. Just it is what it is because you can't be doing too many things at one time. They will obviously, you'll run out of hours in the day. I would say my biggest challenge is, is A, finding deals and B, scaling up responsibly. So that means each deal, are we going to be able to handle this on the equity raise? We're going to be able to handle this on the asset management. Do we have our communications for our investors set up and ready to rock? So all of those things kind of come into play. So those are the two things that I'm working on making better and improving. And that's going to allow me to get from the close to 1300 doors to hopefully 2,500 and then from 2,500 to hopefully 5,000, right? Nice. Each, each you know, kind of tier, you have different challenges, but right now that's kind of where I'm at. Now, how do you like to give back? I love giving back. I think from my perspective, I run several networking events. I give back in the ways of, I provide content and I provide people with knowledge that is, it really has, I've paid tens of thousands of dollars to do. I'm always very open. I can get on the phone. People can reach me fairly easily. And then on top of that, we always like to you know pick a charity, right? I think Houston Food Bank for me is, is a big charity that I like to support and it feeds hundreds of thousands of, of meals a year. It's a big passion of mine. So that's another charity from that standpoint that I give back as well. But it's all about that abundance mindset. I'm not one of those people that likes to think, keep things close to the chest. I like to, if I have knowledge and I can help somebody out by giving that knowledge to them, I'm going to do it because that in its way, and the universe will repay me in some way, shape or form down the road. People need to start learning from that. Don't play things close to the chest. Give back, not only financially, but give back the knowledge that people have learned because I don't want anybody to get burned in this business. So there's a lot of money that can be made, but there's a lot of risk. And so you need to do the business right. And you know, I feel like you know, the things that I've learned over the years, the challenges that I've had have made me a better syndicator. I'm happy to always give those, that information back to people. How can the listeners get in touch with you or learn more about your business? Absolutely, absolutely. So our website is www.disruptequity.com and my email is bin at disruptequity.com. Like I said, always happy to talk shop, always happy to answer questions and, and would love to, to hear from your listeners. Well, Ben, there's so many more questions I could ask you about that first deal, but we'll have to have you back on to talk about that and talk about many other things about just your success and your business. Appreciate your time. Appreciate the listeners being with us today. I hope you'll go to LifeBridge Capital and also connect with me and then go to our Facebook group, The Real Estate Syndication Show, so we can all learn from experts like Ben and grow our businesses together. And then we will talk to each of you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show, brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.